0: You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Hot Topics in Allergy, presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Your host is Dr. Caden Sheff, Medical Director of the Lafayette Allergy and Asthma Clinic in Lafayette, Indiana. Do the immune systems of those with autism function differently than those without the disorder? Joining us to discuss immunity and autism is Dr. Santiago Martinez, clinical assistant professor at Florida State University College of Medicine and practicing allergist in Winter Park, Florida. Welcome, Dr. Martinez.
1: Thank you, Dr. Chef, for having me in your radio program. Well,
0: let's start out. What can you tell us a little bit about the epidemiology of autism?
1: Well, before 1980, autism was rare, and the prevalence studies done before then consistently estimated a rate to be about 2 to 5 per 10,000 people. But during the past years, this prevalence has increased significantly. The prevalence rate is about 1 in 150 children may have this disorder, being more prominent in boys and girls in a ratio of about 4 to 1. And there may be some genetic basis environmental factors probably contributing to this.
0: What are some of the explanations for the increased prevalence of autism?
1: There's a series of factors to take into account There's a review increase in the prevalence of this associated with decline in other diagnostic categories, indicating that there has been possible substitution, diagnostic substitution with other disorders. The referral patterns, the availability of services, more awareness about the disorder, genetic disorders unrelated to ASD that may be combined, public awareness in general, and there's an interplay also with genetic and environmental factors that could possibly play a role.
0: Can you define autism and its comorbidities for
1: us? Yes. Autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder that presents clinically before three years of age. It is characterized by core deficit in communication, social interaction, and stereotype behaviors. Approximately 30% of them may have regression by two years of age.
0: Can you sort out some of these other terms we hear thrown around, Asperger's, rats, those types of things?
1: Well, these form part of what is classified according to the manual diagnostic of mental disorders by the American Association of Psychiatry as part of the umbrella under the umbrella of pervasive developmental disorders, which include pervasive developmental disorder not specified as burgers and Rett syndrome and child disintegrated disorders.
0: So autism is really one of the pervasive developmental disorders?
1: That's correct.
0: Well, what are some of the neuroanatomical findings that have been shown in autism?
1: Well, the clinical onset of autism appears to be preceded by brain growth abnormalities, and there's a sudden, excessive increase in head size between one and two months and six to fourteen months of age. There's some abnormal brain growth, disproportionate increase in white matter, and there's a significant decrease in on uh, MRIs perform of the uh, cerebellum.
0: Let's get into maybe the relationship. Is there one between immunity and autism?
1: Well, you know, the systemic immune function, there are multiple studies showing multiple findings, but these are not consistent or replicable, and those included decrease in production of antibodies, decrease in T-cell responses to mitogens or stimulation, decrease in killer cells. Therefore, since these were not consistent and replicable, we cannot conclude that there's an immune deficiency in these patients. We're basing our findings more on an immune dysfunction based on the studies done from the group at John Hopkins where they found that there was microbial activation of the CNS. So in a patient with autism, it is not recommendable to do an immunologic workup unless the history suggests that there may be an immune deficiency. And like I mentioned before also, there's a study that was published in the Annals of Allergy. Even though the number was not significantly large, it did not show any evidence of any specific immune deficiency.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Hot Topics in Allergy on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Caton Sheth, and joining me to discuss immunity and autism is Dr. Santiago Martinez, clinical assistant professor at Florida State University College of Medicine and practicing allergist in Winter Park, Florida. Well, let's come back to some of this disconnect between there's a decrease or immune response, if you will. You're saying there's decrease in some studies, antibody function, decreased T cells, NK cell function's not there. Yet, on the other hand, there's an increase in inflammatory mediators, inflammation. How do we tie those two together clinically, or what does this mean?
1: Well, there is no evidence of immune deficiency, but there is some immune activation, which we really cannot fully explain. In other words, there's some immune stimulation of the CNS whether it's due to an infectious process or production of antibodies that may be traveling transplacentally, that's still part of the things that are being looked into. So it is very important to focus on the fact that there's no evidence of immune deficiency, but there's some immune dysfunction. There's stimulation of the CNS with activation of cells, such as the microbial cells, as I already discussed, that could lead to changes in the CNS. We still need to do further studies to really to try to explain to find out indeed if there's any implication between the findings on the CNS, the immune activation and autism.
0: Let's get to the question that I think most of our listeners are probably have heard about or or at least read a little bit about. Is there a link between the MMR and autism?
1: Well, there's plenty of studies. There are more than ten studies published, and thousands of children showing that there is no correlation between the MMR vaccine and autism, That is safe to give this vaccine, and there's no definite correlation. And, and these are all epidemiologic studies. As a matter of fact, there was a study done that looked at the concentration of thimerosal, and once thimerosal was removed, to look at the prevalence of autism. And while thimerosal was removed from the vaccines, autism still tends to increase. So there is no correlation between the MMR vaccine and autism.
0: Why does it keep coming up?
1: Well, there was one study that was published in Britain way back in 1998, which led to this. But this study was proven later not to be valid. And the correlation is because of the fact that usually autism becomes apparent between 15 and 18 months when the vaccine is given. And so is regression. 30% of patients with autism exhibit some form of regression usually reported in the second year of life. So those are two of the factors that may be possibly contributing to this link between the vaccine and autism. But again, there are significant numbers of epidemiologic studies showing that there's no correlation. The American Academy of Pediatrics, CDC, all support the fact that it's safe to give this vaccine.
0: As I recall looking at some of this data, was there... Increase in diagnosis after a rubella outbreak in the 60s?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, this all was born with a psychiatrist by the name of Stella Chess in the 70s. She did a study looking at uh, during the epidemics of rubella of autism, and she found that there was a significant increase in autism in children with congenital rubella. So it is not uncommon to establish a relationship between infections and neurological disorders such as autism, as we know. For example, schizophrenia is associated with flu. And that was one particular study that looked at this biology of infection and autism. But still, we need to do more studies to really establish and say that there's an infectious process here contributing to this. The problem with autism is that we have limited amount of, let's say, for example, brain tissue to do studies and try to establish a correlation between one thing and the other.
0: What about the idea of autoimmunity as it relates to autism?
1: That's an interesting question. I mean, there are studies showing that autoimmune disorders are common in mothers of children with autism, autoimmune disorders such as rheumatoid arthritis, thyroid disease, lupus and psoriasis. And most recently in published papers, again by the group at John Hopkins, also in California Van der Water. There were a series of tests consisting of immunobloid where they were able to demonstrate specific IgG antibodies with specific patterns. And it is theorized that possibly there may be some specific IgG that may travel transplacentally and into the fetal brain and possibly contribute to this disorder. Still, we need to have more studies performed to really to conclude that there is definitely such a relationship or correlation between these specific antibodies. Uh, there are studies also done in animals, in monkeys and rats showing that behavior may be affected when the passive-transfer IgG occurs. So th- that's where autoimmunity possibly may be playing a role, and further studies are needed to really conclude that definitely autoimmunity may be related.
0: Are there other things from the literature that lead you to believe that it may be an autoimmunity type of issue? I mean, this transplacental IgG is certainly very interesting. Animal models are certainly very interesting in a disease like that. But are there other things that lead you to think of... That we need to look at for this autoimmunity in autism?
1: A good example of this is, for example, neonatal lupus, in which there's transfer of IgG, and for example, thyroiditis, which occurs also in the neonatal period, which is due to passive transfer of IgG. And there are a series of studies published showing that there are a series of antibodies present, and again, CNS proteins in, in patients with an ASD or autistic disorder. So it's just antibodies to myelin basic protein to cerebral neurofilaments, brain endothelial cells, brain tissue. So in general, more studies are required, more brain tissues are required because that's the limitation in in concluding the studies is that we don't have enough brain tissue to study, to look at this particular aspect of autoimmunity. But there's a possibility that this may be implicated in some form in, in autism and that's one of the areas that is basically being studied at this point that this presence of these antibodies and their distinctive patterns of antibody reactivity to fetal brain and mothers and children may have possible relevance to, you know, the pathogenesis of autism.
0: Are there other immune data, perhaps HLA phenotypes or cytokine profiles that give you secondary evidence or thought that there's an immunity issue?
1: Sure. There's a study published by Dr. Zimmerman at the John Hopkins Group looking at HLA-DR4, and they were able to basically look at these and mothers and children and fathers of autism, they found that a particular group in eastern Tennessee had positive HLA-DR4, a limited number of patients, but still, that's one indicator that there may be some form of uh, autoimmune and genetic factor playing, interplay in in this condition. Still, again, a larger number of, of patients need to be studied. More studies are required.
0: What's the future in terms of research between immunity and autism?
1: I feel that the future in autism is based on our better understanding of the immune system in these patients and the genetic factors interplaying with environmental factors. So, again, we go back to the same. We need more studies. We need larger numbers focusing on the genetic and immunologic aspect as a possible contributing factor to this disorder.
0: As you mentioned a couple times, there's some interaction between genetic and environmental things. Give us some highlights of some of that.
1: Right. There are some studies showing that there are a series of chromosomal abnormalities that are found in different sites, for example, chromosome X, 2, 3, 7, 15, and there's duplication of chromosome maternally derived 15Q duplications at this level. And even though we don't have specific genetic abnormalities, a multi-genetic disorder, again, most studies are needed to look at this as a possible continuing factor. When we talk about environmental factors, we include infections in that case. And we definitely know that we need to do more studies looking at this particular factor also.
0: Well, as we wrap up, any final comments on this topic?
1: I think that more studies are needed. And in autism, we should educate more our general practitioners also, pediatricians, family practice, internal medicine, in picking up this disorder and learning how to screen these patients and being able to appropriately refer them for early intervention, and that, again, more studies are required or needed in the area of genetics and immunology to see what kind of information we will be able to gather and prevent. For example, in the case of this antibodies that we're talking about, if we're able to identify this antigen, specific antigens to which these antibodies are being made, in the future, we possibly will be able to determine before a child is born if there's any possibility of autism occurring and therefore uh, preventive medicine and possibly develop some type of treatment that could possibly prevent the development of the disorder.
0: I would like to thank my guest from Florida State University College of Medicine, Dr. Santiago Martinez. Dr. Martinez, thank you for being our guest this week on Hot Topics in Allergy.
1: Thank you very much, Dr. Chef, for having me. Pleasure.
0: You've been listening to Hot Topics in Allergy on XM One Sixty. This show has been presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. For more information on the ACAAI, please visit ACAAI.org. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening.